0: You're listening to the Global Ed Podcast, where educators share inspiring and thought provoking stories from around the world.
1: In this episode, I speak with Estelle, who is the principal of an international school in Dakar, Senegal. Estelle shares her personal experiences with diversity, equity, inclusion and justice, DEIJ, and how her journey of attending and teaching in international schools has helped her shape her educational philosophy as she inspires the next generation of African students. Welcome to the Global Ed podcast, Estelle.
0: Hi, thank you for having me, Gavin.
1: No problem at all. Now, I've got some African music playing here, which probably gives us a little hint about where you're from. But could you just tell us the story of where you grew up, please?
0: I was born in Cameroon and I grew up there up to the age of nine. Then we moved as a family to the Congo in Brazzaville, where I studied at the French school from the age of nine to the age of 17, where I got my French baccalaureate.
1: Before you move to the Congo, can you just share with us what life was like living in Cameroon as a young child?
0: Growing up in Cameroon, I remember it was awesome. Um, I was um, playing outside a lot. Uh, my parents took me to uh, our village uh, nearly every weekend. So there was this contact uh, with nature that was really lovely. I also had lots of friends at school. Um, you don't think about these things when you're a kid, but, you know, in retrospect, it was a very cool childhood. <laughs> it
1: sounds awesome. Um, sounds like you had a great childhood. Can you tell me a bit about the school that you attended in the Congo, please?
0: The school was a French school, Lycée Francais Saint-Exupéry, if you want to know. I still love that place to today. <laughs> this was a very, very formative set of years in my life. And this is where I experienced for the first time uh, international education.
1: What Was the change to attending an international school a positive move for you or was it a challenging time?
0: Well, a lot of positive, to be honest with you. The friends that I've made there, I still have today. You know, there was this sense of family at this school and we're all very proud of it. We all did very well. So it means that education must have been quite rigorous while we were having all the fun at the, uh, at the River Congo. It's a beautiful part of the world. It's the, uh, and and the forest, uh, la forêt du Mayom, the forest of the Mayom, is one of the biggest forests uh, still um, uh, on this planet. So life was really beautiful um, and also very challenging. I enjoyed meeting people from so many different nationalities. For the first time I had Vietnamese friends, I had uh, people from Madagascar as friends, when all my friends before used to be Cameroonian children. One thing that I wish I had had as an experience is maybe more Congo in the education that we received, because I knew all about the French rivers and the French kings, but when it came to uh, Africa, um, it wasn't as robust at all. I think that this is probably something that the AAFFE, which is the Organisation of uh, uh, International Education uh, in France, well has is addressing now but in my time that wasn't in the conversation at all
1: it's really good to hear that these disparities between the school and the local culture have been addressed but at the time how did that affect the formation of your own identity
0: it's in Brazzaville that I became a third culture kid. For the first time, uh, the culture at home was different from the culture at school, which was different from the culture outside of the walls of the school. And that was a lot of complexity for me who had, who was a, a Cameroonian girl, um, brought up in a Cameroonian family with two parents from the same, uh, ethnic background. I want to say, like speaking the same mother tongue, Bafia, uh, and, uh, basically feeling very normal, entering that realm where all of a sudden I became the other. I started uh, realizing the color of my skin. Uh, The fact that I was a Cameroonian was also very important uh, before I was just a child. Um, I'm very grateful for this experience. Even the fact that I didn't get to study a lot about Africa, I think highlighted uh, uh my african identity later uh, when i started realizing the thirst and the need to learn more about my own identity i remembered that i didn't and that I, there was something to compensate so i tried to be grateful for it and remember that it's thanks to 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 this uh to to missing it that i actually become very much of an africanist later When you finished
1: at the French International School you actually moved to France and attended university there. What was that experience like?
0: Um, it, it, It was really interesting as an experience there wasn't a lot of adjustment or code switching because I was already going to a French school and it felt like a homecoming for an African woman to go and study in France. Um, little by little, I realized, you know, all the issues linked to immigration and being audited. Uh, I started realizing, oh, I'm different. Oh, I'm African. Uh, here, I need what you call a de séjour, res- a, 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 a resident permit. I used to be um, the daughter of a diplomat with the red passport. So uh, I was uh, welcome everywhere in Africa. All of a sudden, as a student in France, I became the foreigner.
1: After you finished your university education in France, you got your first teaching job, which was in India. What are your memories of moving there as a young, fresh teacher?
0: I remember landing in this new country, on this new continent. uh, And there, you know, um, I was completely defamiliarized uh, as opposed to landing in France after studying in a French school. So everything was new. It was monsoon. A lot of raining, a lot of green, and it felt like I was I was breathing in water uh, as I was trying to 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 breathe normally. Uh, but there was this this contrast of extreme beauty, color, and uh, the discomfort of of my first monsoon. And in this uh, zone of discomfort, came a lot of wonder. I love India.
1: <laughs> Was it always your plan to move to India? Was that the dream or um, did it just kind of come about?
0: Um, ah, you know what we say, like life uh, happens while you make other plans, I was always going to study and go back to Cameroon and marry a Cameroonian man, you know. <laughs> and then I wound up uh, with a first job in India, um, married to uh, a white man. <laughs> but we, we can talk about that later.
1: <laughs> well, let's just briefly talk about it now. Um, because your husband is Conrad Hughes, is the Director General of the International School of Geneva. But was it always your plan together to go change the world and make a difference?
0: oh no we never did that (laughs) we never sat and said yeah let's go explore the world and make a difference we uh, met around music and and uh, literature we were studying um, literature uh, at university and we were both passionate about it Uh, conversations we were we became very close friends but it's really music that brought us together that is why I I am really encouraging as as an educator today I encourage my students to follow their passions. It's through my passion for music that I met uh, my soulmate and that I found so much joy, not only to counterbalance the different stresses of life, but also to open new doors, uh, new experiences, new people, and also ultimately feeding my professional life in many different ways.
1: It must have been a really exciting time as a young married couple to go and explore this exotic new place. Um, What was that like? And also, what did your friends and family back in Cameroon think of this experience that you were having over in this faraway land of India?
0: Uh, It was a year of exploration, for those of you who know a little we've, we've been to India a little <laughs> bit before, it was the year of, I think I remember Lagan and Dil Uh and so yes that's a while ago, Devdas that, that period of Bollywood movies, so yes we went to see, uh, to the movie theatre, we went to Goa we went to Mumbai uh, Ghanipati Pule and uh, like all these little cities uh, along the the the, the sea in Maharashtra, enjoy the ghats, a lot of traveling, I I guess. Uh, We had a little tata car moving around, even though our director had told us not to drive ourselves and to get a driver, we would like, no, we're going to explore ourselves. Uh, Magical moments, I really do not regret uh, taking that step. People in Cameroon would ask me, you live where? why <laughs> it was like a part of the world where not a lot of Cameroonians went but then I discovered that there there is an African community in Mumbai um, studying there living there uh, it was it was really positive. Sounds amazing and um, but of course
1: you did have a job there to do and um, so what was it like um, having your first teaching position over in an international school in India?
0: It was a uh, it was It was a steep learning curve, to be honest with you. The first time I was uh, evaluated by my student, because we were in a school with a very strong student voice and we surveyed and we discussed with students, they had a say in what was happening in the classroom. Obviously, I came uh, with my French style. Uh, Teaching is very much (laughs) teacher-centered and uh, could be sometimes a bit repetitive at that time. Uh, I'm sure that French pedagogy has evolved since. Uh, And my my students didn't uh, like all of it, you know, and they let me know. So uh, uh, that feedback helped me think about who I am today as a a pedagogue. And I feel that I was learning at the same time as my students, at the same time as I was discovering this new culture, uh, at the same time as I was becoming myself. They were also growing outside of uh, uh, childhood and teenager um, adolescence.
1: It's really interesting to hear you speak about how you grew and develop as a teacher um, at the school. But personally, did you find that you are inspired by the students that you were teaching?
0: Yes, the, I've, I've been inspired by most of my students in India because uh, the UWC system is about a, a selection that really focuses on change makers and agents of change so you have these amazing kids that you're teaching you're trying to teach as i was saying and they actually are teaching you
1: as you were having this experience in india and meeting these students from all around the world with inspiring stories did you think back to africa and think hmm this approach to education might be something that could work back home
0: seeing students uh, with with beautiful stories beautiful potential like this i wanted that for my country you know i am because we are and i needed uh my my own cameroonian babies to experience that
1: So after your time in India, you headed back home and in association with Anchor Education, you helped to start the first IB school in Cameroon. Uh, How was that experience?
0: When um, the first IB school in Cameroon, which was Anko Lagete, when it was founded, we had I say we because I forever associate myself with that story. Even if I no longer work for Enco Education, we have kept uh, strong links. Uh, There were four kids, four children there. And we were like, um, the organization was like, are we going to do this? Is this even a school? you know and a few years later i want to say 10 years later 2024 20, 20, well you have uh, over 100 kids i don't have the exact number but it's a proper running uh, schools with great ib results and kids are just uh, enjoying the ib every day there enjoying uh, an international education uh, affordably
1: what was the most striking thing about UWC when you joined and how has it influenced your work in Africa?
0: At that time, Nelson Mandela was still the honorary president. So imagine how proud I was uh, to, to to do that. And this is also where I became... Uh, acquainted with the notion of ubuntu really uh, and and started looking at the post apartheid uh, truth and reconciliation committees and despite all the criticism that i heard about around the idea of accountability i remained fascinated uh, by how south africa had negotiated peace after trauma and i thought yeah it can't be perfect and one person can't fix everything but if we all try we Moving towards the light, towards a positive place together.
1: You just mentioned a concept called Ubuntu. Can you explain to me what that is, please?
0: Ubuntu is is a philosophy, a, a um, South African philosophy, um, and it means "I am because we are." It's about the interconnectedness of humanity. I love Ubuntu. It resonates with me uh, not only because it's African but because it's human. The idea that you can go through trauma and all of the difficult bits of life, but you always focus on the light of forgiveness, on the light of togetherness. Uh, it, It is really about going far together as opposed to fast alone. One key element of my educational philosophy is Ubuntu and peace because Ubuntu is peace.
1: Geneva is more than just a city it's an experience that draws people in with its beautiful landscapes long history and busy way of life. Its people who are friendly and open show how international the city is which adds to its charm. After your time in Cameroon you and your family moved to Europe and found yourself teaching in the International School of Geneva or Ica as it's also known. How did that school develop you and how did the family settle into life at the school?
0: Yeah, uh Ecoland this is the biggest chunk of my career and one of my favorite schools. So there I really grew as a, as a, as a reflective teacher, um collaborative teacher, fantastic colleagues and I'm also grateful for the fact that Ecolant put my two children through school, you know. <laughs> and, uh, at one point you would have asked them what their country is. They probably would have answered that their country is Ecoland. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a very, a very powerful school in terms of the culture that is created there and the, and the sense of belonging to that, to that community.
1: One of the things that you just mentioned was the strong culture of the school and the sense of belonging that you all felt there. Was that something that came naturally or did you have to find ways to create it?
0: No matter how much I I love Ecoland, this is also the place where I felt, you know, kind of isolated as the only uh, uh, black teacher in my department, and sometimes also in the school, um, uh, depending on how recruitment was going. Where I started thinking about, you know, where are the black teachers uh, for my children? All of these questions that. You know, I never asked myself before as a teacher. But once you have children, it becomes important. Uh, It becomes personal.
1: What was your approach to addressing those issues and getting the conversation started at the school?
0: You know what? Starting DIJ is hard, it's a hard place to be because you have all of these stories that come up of lived experience that you don't want anyone to go through and uh, I understand that as a management or as an educational uh, body, you have to listen without rebuttal and um, that that maturity, it doesn't come naturally anywhere. It, it is, these it, it are tough moments. I also believe that we mustn't stay in that space for too long. There's a time for everything. There's a time for opening up and creating these listening tools, uh, making sure that listening continues to happen because we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We need to listen twice as much as we speak uh, as leaders um, in a school. However, where to? Once we have identified the trauma, once we have identified what needs to be fixed and what's not going well, where are we headed? And that's where peace and Ubuntu comes to mind, right? And that's where I want to focus my attention. I want to focus my attention on um, creating culturally diverse space spaces through recruitment, on um, making sure that students see themselves in the curriculum, uh, acknowledging the diversity, uh, also thinking about perspectives, because you know these books you have, you can have books, you can have references that are uh, diverse. But if the perspective on these books and these references are still Eurocentric, are still Anglo-American centric, as opposed to uh, pr- to polyphonic, then we might be actually perpetuating the same prejudice. As you started to
1: raise these issues and ask questions around the school, um, what were people's reactions and what were their responses?
0: These are times where there's a lot of excitement for people, uh, uh, for for, for non-white people in schools, because we're like, oh, it's happening. It's starting to happen for us. But it's also really trauma. in in, inducing because you are asked to tell these stories because people are uh, you know clumsy here and there and and you have terrible experiences within these these dij sessions and having a friend who's got your back and you don't always have to explain why you can't say this and why you can't do that it's really important and that friend is can sometimes take a lot of heat be seen as angry as uh, as too critical as negative because they're saying the things that you can't say so i'm really are acknowledging these friends who stood by me who spoke for me
1: thank you estelle for sharing your experiences with us um now it's been a few years since those conversations first started so how's the school doing now
0: uh, despite the bumpy start that is, you know, very uh, common to all international schools, it's always complicated to start DEI and sometimes, you know, it's based on stories of trauma. I see that school rising uh, to the challenge and changing things in their recruitment, in their curriculum, in their approaches to, um, uh, to social emotional education. Uh, I think that um, even though You know, it was in a very discreet way, in a very modest way. I'm very happy that I was part of the solution and that uh, the school is still working on DEIJ centering it very much.
1: You have shared with us the school's response to these issues. But on a personal level, is this an issue that you find exists wherever you go?
0: Every morning I wake up knowing that the work is not done knowing that I must carry on listening, knowing that even if I'm a black woman, uh, I'm also full of different privileges. I come from a family where socioeconomic parameters were comfortable. Uh, I work in international education, right? So it is uh, re-challenging myself every morning and say, okay, don't be defensive. Okay, share your vision. For example, I believe that We should have spaces where people sit down together and share. And it's the responsibility of the leadership to create the safety of that space. I think having hard conversations, as well as happy conversations, keeping the conversation and the connection going, this is at the heart of communities, and particularly schools, where we want to model hope, where we want to model communication, a positive communication, and intercultural competence, we have to create these spaces where people can come forward and express themselves and also tell them when this is not happening, that you disagree, that you disagree with approaches that are not peaceful, that you disagree with approaches that are not uh, walking towards building us as a community, making us stronger together.
1: During your time in Geneva, you had the opportunity to return to Africa and get reinvolved in African education. Can you share a little bit about what that experience was like, please?
0: I, I took a year off to work with uh, ENCO Education as a um, leader of teaching and learning for their, I think it was 11 schools at that time. So I got to visit Mozambique, uh, South Africa, Cameroon, Mali, so many beautiful countries. So I I got hooked, addicted to Africa again. And at the back of my head was like, at one point I need to go back like properly. Uh, So I waited for my children to leave the nest and uh, we did it. We decided that it was okay for the family to try that. Uh, So I'm now heading the secondary school at the International School of Dakar. Okay Senegal you of course me come a so uh, coming back to africa was a very important uh transition in my life I remember crying. A lot when I I heard that I got the job and I couldn't believe it. I remember crying again as I was landing in Senegal and I was thinking, "This is going to be my life. I'm back to the motherland." I remember traveling for um, for professional development to uh, uh, to Kenya for the ISA conference and going via the Congo and seeing the river again and crying. <laughs> you know, it's a, there's a lot of emotion tied to. the this continent
1: that's so cool i love it it must have just been such a homecoming for you um can you tell me all about the school that you're now the high school principal of
0: please one of the best west african international schools and i'm not even biased at all (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is this is a beautiful community isd is a beautiful community uh, and and with a mind set towards dij so we or centering student voice, we are making Africa not optional. And we are forever heading to that place where we're going to um, listen, where we are going to grow, where we are going to challenge, create and change together. And I love that, that freshness. I love that in that school, the why is always present. I believe that educators and everybody in life, we need to know Uh, uh, we need meaning in everything that we do. I think that, that the greatest source of anxiety is work without meaning, without direction. Education can't be meaningless. And if you add to it the ambition to connect people And I think you basically have the best job in the world, right?
1: (laughs) Uh, 100% agree. Um, When you joined the school, did your experiences of going to an international school in Africa shape the approach that you wanted to take?
0: When I arrived at the International School of Dakar, I was really determined to root for Africa in education, uh, an Africanization of an international education, which doesn't mean that everything has to revolve around Africa. We also have a population from other parts of the world and, and I want them on it too. But I was like, yes, I'm going to be that person who is going to refocus people on the importance of Africa. Instead of that, I feel that people were very, very much focused on that already. Like the, the level of love for Senegal in my school is just really refreshing. And it's teaching me every day that I need to polish my wall off, that I need to learn more about the country. So yet again, I'm the one being schooled here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you've mentioned a number of times now that you're constantly learning. Uh, what are some of the leadership lessons that you have learned?
0: I've learned many leadership lessons in, um, in Dakar. First of all, I stepped into a school where the leadership is very diverse. You know, I have many African women there who have been there for a long time to look up to. They are my big sisters. And I just want to salute the work that they have been doing at the school. They are forever inspiring at all levels in the school. Um, so I'm learning uh, about their calm, as you might have gathered, I'm a very passionate person. <laughs> so uh, ISD has taught me to just stop, listen, breathe. You know, yes, change is important, but it doesn't have to happen all the same day. We can, we have time and we can, uh, you know, build things together, step by step. In one of it's ndanke ndanke, it means little by little. So that's, that, that's for me, my biggest leadership lesson. And also I want to say to all of uh, the female leaders out there, um, black African leaders out there, and not so many of us in international education, to uh, not be told, not (laughs) accept to be told that they are too much when they are just being assertive and visionary. You need that passion, you need that energy to make things happen within your school. Uh, Be yourself, be authentic, and trust that these values, that these ancestral values that we've grown with, like Ubuntu, like Teranga, Ujama, Umoja, all of these notions that we, I believe, are there to bring into international education, make them visible, unapologetically.
1: A theme that's been touched on a few times in this podcast has been identity uh, and the tension that can exist between being a global citizen, while also being knowledgeable and proud of your cultural roots. Have you found a way of resolving this?
0: identify myself as African as well as Cameroonian. It goes together, as well as citizen of the world. And one thing, one sentence that I coined uh, uh, very modestly, I think I did, maybe I heard it somewhere else, but I keep hearing it around because it makes so much sense, is having African roots and global wings. That's really what I want for myself, what I want for uh, children living in Africa. I feel like
1: I could talk to you about your life experiences and what you've learned forever, but I'm really sad to say that our time is just about up. So as we close, um, what is your hope for your students and for the young people of Africa?
0: My hope for my students is really that they find themselves day after day through their passions. That is really what I'm trying to build my school around uh, feel that if they are connected to that joy and self-confidence, uh, they will make a change, a positive change in the world. I don't want pressure on them to go on journeys that are not theirs. I want them to find their own paths and to grow their own way and to always remember what Africa contributed to that journey. Thank
1: you, Estelle, for sharing your inspiring story um, the journey that you've been on and the difference that you've made, not just in Africa, but all around the world. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Gavin, for having me. That was such a, an inspiring conversation. Thank you. Next time on the Global Ed Podcast. We teach the kids not to beg anything from uh, our guests. Every guest coming to BGBG BG, um, make sure 100%. There is no kid will beg for money. Hey, Gavin, give us uh, 100,000. No, they will never do it because we teach them. Kids, it's okay. We live in Bandarbang, but we are not beggars.
1: In the final episode of the season, I interview Razer, who started a school serving the children who live on Indonesia's biggest landfill site in Jakarta. If you have enjoyed listening to the Global Ed podcast, please subscribe and follow me, Gavin Kinch, on LinkedIn.